Passion, analysis, hot takes. Welcome to Political Football. And now, your hosts, Cleve, Dave, and Matias. All right, welcome to another episode of Political Football, hosted by Cleve, Dave, and Matty Ice. Well, you get two out of three of us today, and I think it was Meatloaf who once said two out of three ain't bad. So, Dave, how you doing today? Man, Cleve is disappearing on us like Ben Simmons. Oh, man, uh, I have a recording to do about Ben Simmons later because I, I started a new podcast by myself just so I could not have to complain to my wife about shit that happens in sports uh, and just kind of get it <laughs> out there. And so... Uh, I, I agree with you, but you know, Cleve is in a, a different spot than we are. His, uh, you know, he's, he's doing the community, in my opinion, a, a service be as a personal trainer, even though he getting, is getting paid for it, he's making the community healthier as a result. So definitely can't fault him for that, but we do miss him when he's not here. Oh no, I totally, I totally agree. I'm just giving him, giving him a little bit of grief, but, uh, he'll, he'll be back. I do have to say the last time we did this, just the two of us, we took a number of shots at Cleve's age and also his Jets fandom. So I'd like to maybe keep the over under to two of those uh, in this episode instead of the six or eight or whatever it was that we did last time. I don't even think he listened to it, so I'm not even sure he heard it. I mean, you can set the line wherever you want, but I'd probably smash the over. That's a good point. So uh, last week we got into some juicy stuff. And uh, there really isn't as much juicy stuff to get into. Aaron Rodgers is still a member of the Green Bay Packers, sort of. Uh, He is openly disgruntled, which has not changed in the least. So I had to scrape what I consider the bottom of the barrel for NFL content for us to talk about today. But I have no doubt that we can get into something good. So um, first thing I wanted to ask about, we've we've talked about Aaron Rodgers and... um, uh, Julio Jones as it relates to changing teams, but we really haven't gotten to a lot of other players because quite frankly, they don't move the needle the way that guys like that do. But uh, the Patriots have an interesting situation with Stefan Gilmore, who is their uh, you know defensive former defensive player of the year uh, cornerback that they signed from Buffalo a few years back. And he is still a member of the team. I think he's under contract for the rest of this year, but the situation is interesting. One, because he's not at minicamp. He's owed about a little under $8 million, I think, this year. And I believe last year they forwarded him or advanced him part of his salary that he would have received this year kind of as a, I would assume, as a thank you for not opting out because I think he could have. So I wanted to get into that situation because it seems like he likes to be, he likes it in New England. However, obviously he wants to get paid what is commensurate of the player of his caliber. So do you think the Patriots are in a tough spot because they have to trade him, or do you think there is a pathway for them to keep him while also not taking a huge salary hit going forward? So I think the Patriots are in a just weird limbo sort of position that NFL teams don't often find themselves in. You know, in the NBA, it's common for a team to be stuck being perfectly average. And, you know, the talent of the playoffs, they can never get a lottery pick and become great, but they're not good enough to win. And I feel like the Patriots are the one NFL team in that position this year where they're not terrible, but they have just zero shot to win. So, like, should they trade him? That depends really on how they view themselves. If they view themselves as a team that can contend, then they should do everything they can to keep him, including going to salary cap hell in a few years. Personally, I don't think they have a chance to win, and I think that they should be looking to move him for assets in the future going forward because they could get a lot for him. I mean, especially a team that's contending or 
a team that's like in a weaker division where he makes all the difference, like Dallas. You know, you put him on the Cowboys, and all of a sudden their defense is probably you know two times better just because just because of his presence. So if I were if I were the Patriots, I would be looking to move him. I don't even know their cap situation. I don't know if they can even afford to afford to keep him. But it, like it, that's not really the point. The point more is like they aren't going to win this year, and they're probably not going to win next year. So they might as well get everything they can for him right now. I would agree only because the difference between, say, this situation and like a Rodgers or a Julio Jones situation is Stefan Gilmore hasn't come out and actively hurt the Patriots in terms of what they could get for him yet anyway. And it doesn't seem like that's going to happen as long as the the Patriots do what they can to get him what he wants. Right. And I would assume what he wants is to be traded to a team that can not only win, but that can also guarantee him uh, the contract that he would probably be looking for. Correct. Yeah, no, I mean, I would I would imagine I imagine that for him, since he's been so underpaid, he's probably looking to get paid. I mean, Tredavious White signed a four year, sixty nine million dollar contract extension with the bill. So that's at least 16 mil a year because that's 64. So that's like 16 and a half million a year or something like that. Like why 17 million? Why would Tredavious White sign on to play? For eight million dollars for anybody, or uh, uh, Stephon Gilmore signed to play for eight million dollars for anybody. Like he should be absolutely out the door, and he should be looking to get paid first because winning is important. But you can't be getting paid half of your market value when you can only get paid like for the next four or five years for him. Like this is it. He can go win in whatever he does after football. He needs to get his money. Do you think that there's a threshold for players who are looking to win and they sort of take, I don't want to call it hometown discounts, but they're not getting paid at the rate that they probably should given their talent level. Now, when he signed this contract, I would assume he was not nearly at the same height in terms of his um, you know, signability as far as like how much money he could make. I mean, he was coming off the bills who at that time weren't good. Signed with the Patriots for a pretty decent deal, but it was, it was out of character for them at the time because they usually don't sign guys to free agent contracts the way that they did this year anyway but at this point now i mean he's he's clearly proven to be one of the best cornerbacks in the league if not the best cornerback in the league so i would agree that he has to go get his money where do you think he gets that money personally man it's hard i would say i mean i think the colts have quite a bit of cap room remaining uh the broncos do as well which is why they're in the aaron Rodgers sweepstakes um, but honestly, I don't think I don't think that for him the destination matters as much as getting paid does. Like, you know, he's he's gonna have to be looking at this next contract now as his one shot to really get all this money. And he's had opportunities to win playing for the Patriots. <laughs> so now he needs to worry about getting getting paid. He's like do the the reverse of what most people do, and he needs to go out and get this money and be done with it. And I mean, he could go to the Jets for all I care. Like as long as long as he gets paid, I think it's what's the most the most important thing for him and his people. Yeah, and he's also in a position where before it's like, well, I want to go somewhere to win. Now they think he played in a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl, so the need to win a Super Bowl is gone because he's already done that. Right. And right. he doesn't need to play the Julio Jones card where it's like, well, I want to go somewhere to win. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because you'd like to think that the pa the Patriots are probably, I don't know, the Patriots feel like a team that because they had so much success that other franchises are not in the business of offering them whatever is commensurate of the player that they have. And this is the one time where they've had a guy who really can ask for a pretty decent haul on the market. Like Jimmy G 
you know, he. I feel like now that we've seen what what he's brought to us, like I think, what did they get a second round pick for him? I don't think they even got mm-hmm. a first for Jimmy G. So, in in retrospect, it seems like it made sense. But uh, what do you think a team should give up for him, or do you think that the market level is not necessarily set because we haven't seen a player like this get traded in in a while? At least not to my uh, recollection. So one thing I want to mention first that you said you said Jimmy G for a second made sense. Uh, that's still a steal for the 49ers. Jimmy G, with everything that we've seen from him, is worth a top 10 NFL draft pick. Really? At the time at the time he was traded. He isn't anymore. Right. right. But, like, given his potential range of outcomes and everything that we've seen from him as he has displayed, he should have been worth a top 10 pick. Not number one overall pick, but, like, that that four through 10 range, 100% a team that needed a quarterback should, should have uh, traded for him. I mean... Jimmy G, like how many of the quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round this year and last year are going to be better than Jimmy G is? Half of them, maybe. So, maybe. like, that, right. So, that's why, even in hindsight, Jimmy G should have been worth like the sixth overall pick in the draft, you know, um, even based on what we've seen, what we've seen from him. Um, what was the other question? Oh, I was just saying, like, what. What do you think that a player of this caliber demands uh, in terms of like draft capital and you know potentially a player back in return or something like that? Because I can't remember the last defensive player like cornerback that's been traded recently uh, to give us any type of comparison to what would be uh, the value today. If a team that has a, that is truly competitive has a chance to add Stephon Gilmore, he should be worth at least a first round draft pick and like three more picks all within the top 100 um across two drafts i mean he is he i mean he's he's excellent you just put him on a receiver and that receiver just disappears from the entire game the team that would make the most sense for him to go to would be the rams but they just don't have the money or anything to trade they traded exactly. their assets away too they're already mm-hmm. in that position that a team should be looking to get into with stefan gilmore a team that would might be interesting would be the washington football team Mm-hmm. And they could just go all in on defense and be like, listen, we're going to win every single game 13 to 10 and with Ryan Fitzpatrick because nobody be able to do anything. I mean, could you imagine trying to pass on the football team when they got Gilmore and they got Chase Young rushing the quarterback? I mean, it'd be it'd be disgusting. So I think that any and I think Gilmore the addition of Gilmore makes a B plus team into an A team. And so they should be willing to really pay pay him and pay the cost to acquire him what about a team like the dolphins like they have a lot of draft capital still but i mean they're in the same division but i'm saying if that were not the case uh would that be a team that has the kind of uh, capital that they could trade for him and he would make them significantly better on that front uh yes and no i mean so they have Xavier howard and byron jones so they're already good at corner although Xavier howard has been missing camp for some reason we don't know yet um but they're they're good at that. They're good at that position. So I don't think the Dolphins, despite being in the same division, are are the sort of team that should be that should be looking at that. I think it should be a team that is already really close to being really good or in their own division, or like it's a tight division and everybody's sort of in a stalemate and somebody's looking to break through, like the Minnesota Vikings. Right. You said cow- so, you said the Cowboys too, right? Yeah, the Cowboys as well. Because like right now the NFC East is like all four of those teams could finish in pretty much any order except the football team won't finish last because their right. defense is going to give them like a solid floor. But other than that, 
any of them could win. Any of them could be like finish last besides the football team. So just adding Stephon Gilmore into that into that division could really separate somebody in in that division. Even the Eagles, who should probably not be that good, but Jalen Hurts could be the man. Like we literally have no idea. Yeah, we like, don't. He, he could he, be fantastic. So he's a total unknown. Uh, even though we saw a very small sample size of him, he's a total unknown. Uh, new coach that you know said they were going to have plans, which I don't even know what the hell that means. Uh, the opening press conference did not uh, inspire me. But you said something that I wanted to get into. It's not in what we were originally going to talk about. But uh, what are the chances that Mac Jones ends up being better than Jimmy G? Better? Yeah, I mean, probably... You know you know what I'm saying, though? Because you said, you know, Jimmy yeah. G in hindsight even would have been worth a top 10 pick. Patriots chose Mac Jones at 15, uh, where they chose Jimmy G, what, in the second, I think, uh, originally? Yeah, so, yeah second, second or, or Something third. like that. And so, they, I mean, they were in a position where they had to take a quarterback, and they didn't reach for – well, they didn't reach in terms of the fact that they traded up for Mac Jones. So they took him wherever – whoever was left, that's who they took. But is it possible that Mac Jones could be – could end up being better – than Jimmy G or do you think they ultimately could end up being about the same once their careers are said and done like Mac Jones has a, a I would say Mac Jones probably has you said he was probably going to be like a B minus in, in Madden or something like that for the entirety of career like he could be solidly average yeah so I think I think that yes given what we've seen from Jimmy G now Mac Jones might even be a slight favorite to be better than Jimmy G the difference is that as a prospect, Jimmy G had way better upside than Mac Jones has. So the chances of getting that Hall of Fame great quarterback was just a lot higher with uh, Jimmy G than with Mac Jones. Of course, it was also a lot higher with Drew Henson than with Tom Brady. Like, you know, sometimes it just it doesn't go how you expect. So given what we've seen from Jimmy G, Jimmy G is now a known commodity. Mm-hmm. I would expect Mac Jones and Jimmy G to end up being similar caliber players, but coming into the league, I don't think Mac Jones has the same opportunities to reach a great height like Jimmy G had when he was first coming into, uh, into the league. Yeah, it does. That's a huge, what if for me, like what if the Patriots had moved on from Brady and kept Jimmy G would he have been the Jimmy G we've seen up until now, the injury still have been a concern. Uh, would, you know, the, would his play have been better even with the injuries? Because a lot of people think, you know, he lost the Super Bowl for the 49ers against the Chiefs, uh, missed a couple of passes. Like, they they really probably would have won had they had a better quarterback. Uh, that's not necessarily my opinion. It's an opinion I've heard uh, multiple times. But it was just something I was wondering because there's been a lot of talk about Mac Jones impressing in camp, and I don't know what that means at this point because I feel like that's what reporters for the local are going to do anyway. Uh, but they are in an interesting spot because I think they owe Cam – the starting job unless mac jones clearly shows that he is better um but it seems to me that mac jones would be the the guy because hey you've you've drafted this guy so cam to me would seem like a a backup only because you you, you drafted you know mac jones but i don't really know what they do so uh for the patriots it's actually a, a perfect situation for them they mac jones will become the starting quarterback in week five and if I could find a way to actually bet that, I would. Like that exact bet. Uh, and the reason is that Cam Newton's going to be good enough to start, but they play the Buccaneers and Tom Brady in week four, and they are not going to run Mac Jones out there to get embarrassed by the guy he's meant to replace. Um, 
And so once they start one and three or whatever with Cam Newton and they and they lose to Brady, then everybody will be on board and everybody will be in agreement that it's time to switch to Mac Jones. If you switch to Mac Jones before that, and then Brady and the Bucks stop the Patriots, we're like, you did it too soon. It wasn't the right time. This is like a perfect situation for the Patriots to just wait till week five and throw him in and give him his his year zero to get some reps. That's a good segue to the next guy I want to talk about, and that is uh, Justin Fields, because Justin Fields is on record as saying that he supports the Bears' idea of starting Andy Dalton um, after they tweeted QB one, and then you know we're able to take him at fourteen. Um, is this a sim- is this a position where it's a very cl- it's very clear that the Bears should be starting Justin Fields, uh, even though their original intent was to start Andy Dalton, because his talent level would seem like it's going to you know, you need to put him in there. But I wonder if the fact that the the coach and the GM are, ha- they have to be in the hot seat at this point, if they're going to rush him out there or, you know, can they afford to not start him right away? What do you think? Rookie quarterbacks should always start right away unless in two circumstances. There's an incumbent starter who's actually good, not average, not mediocre, not okay, but good. Alex Smith for the Chiefs. Brett Favre for the Packers, that sort of thing. Um, or the quarterback is clearly a project that, like, you don't even – you drafted with the intention of not playing for a couple of years because they, you know, never took a snap under center in college or they their throwing mechanics are terrible, but you can see you can see how it could develop. Only in those two situations should a rookie quarterback that you spent that much capital to acquire not start right away. Andy Dalton should not start week one. It should absolutely be Justin Fields. It should be Justin Fields, whether the coach and GM are on the hot seat, whether they were brand new there. It should be Justin Fields. If Jimmy G were there, it should be Justin Fields. If Cam Newton were there, it should be Justin Fields starting for that team right away. And the reason for that is that the best way for these quarterbacks to get better is by practice and reps and getting in the game and playing. Everybody worries about the downside, about playing somebody too soon and they get hurt or they get hit too much or they don't, they're they're not good. But there's 32 teams. So if every team was exactly even, each team would only win the Super Bowl once every 32 years and the teams aren't even. So if you ever want to have a hope of really winning the Super Bowl, you have to hit as high as you can on your quarterback position. So you cannot worry about the downside. You have to do everything you can to maximize the upside of your quarterback prospects. And that means getting Justin Fields practice and reps as soon as possible. He should start week one. So basically what I'm hearing is that Matt Nagy and the Bears are going to start Andy Dalton week one. Yes. For the same reason, because they're not in the position the Patriots are, where Matt Jones should also be starting week one. But the Patriots for like calming down their insane fan base reasons can just wait until Cam Newton gets destroyed by Tom Brady and then switch and everybody's on board. So like nobody can come back and be mad no matter what happens with the switch to Mac Jones at that point because everybody was on board with it all at the same time. For the Bears, this is never going to happen. If they start Andy Dalton week one, people are going to be mad. If start Justin Fields, if he's not good, people are going to be like, well, you signed Andy Dalton. Why didn't you play Andy Dalton? They can't win anyways. They just need to play Justin Fields and do... I mean, the other thing too is like, for them to keep their jobs, they need Justin Fields to be Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you don't want to ruin three or four games to Andy Dalton when you could when you when you need to be having Justin Herbert on the bench, like on the team. Like they will not be coaching there next year if Justin Fields is not 
like one of the top two rookie of the year candidates. So play him. Not to mention the fact that the, the power shift in that division is about to take place if we're assuming Aaron Rodgers leaves at this point, right? Because uh, the Lions with Goff, I mean, that's not a that's not the franchise kind of guy. I would think uh, that they have bigger things in mind, although to your point, they did not take Justin Fields when they could have. So, uh, they, you know, <laughs> but obviously if Aaron Rodgers leaves, the, the Packers are going to be very bad. Uh, the Lions, I would assume, are going to be you know bad this year. And then you have uh, the Vikings, I think, and uh, the Vikings are, you know, they theoretically should be should be good. I mean, they have a good core, like we talked about. And then if Fields ends up working out, it's like all of a sudden the Bears can jump to the best team in that division very, very quickly. Well, here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers for sure will not be on the Green Bay Packers ne- 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 what, next season in mm-hmm. 2022, the 2022 yeah. season. For sure. He will not he he will not be there. Jared Goff is going to be replaced, hopefully, right now. I would like to take Spencer Rattler out of uh Oklahoma with the number one overall pick. That's the goal. Um, and then this is probably Kirk Cousins last year in Minnesota, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. So the Bears should have the advantage at the quarterback experience position in the division going into next season with probably one of the top two prospects, depending on who the Lions can get with the number one or number two overall pick this year, but still in that same same sort of category because the Packers will be stuck with Jordan Love or whoever, and then the Vikings draft to Kellen Mond in the third round this year. They'll probably add somebody again next year. It's like the Bears should be in the driver's seat for quarterback in the 2022 season, and so the best way to just absolutely maximize that is to play Justin Fields as much as possible this year to get him ready for that. And do you want Justin Fields to toe the company line the way that he did by saying yeah i support this plan or would you rather him kind of be out there and confident and say i'm gonna do whatever i can to win this job yeah i think that you can i think that you can um walk that line and do both you know he can he can be modest and say i know that you know i'm a rookie i'm new to the team i'm new to the league i have to learn all this and so i fully understand why the team is saying right now that Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback and I fully support that decision. My job is to come out here and prove to them that that is not the right decision and that it should be me. And I know that if I'm able to do that, they will make the right decision and play me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the easy way to say it. I don't buy into the idea that like when guys do this, that they're, they're not going to work out. Like, I feel like if Cleve were to hear that sound clip, he'd be like, Oh, see, he's not ready for the big time. He's not out there. Take it. Like, and that's part of the reason why I queued him up on the two and the playbook stuff, because while I think there is something to that, it also can be a pretty harmless comment in retrospect, like, you know, and Tua, Tua coming out and saying that is, it didn't feel like a Jamarcus Russell situation where they actively gave him tapes with nothing on it and asked him what was on it and he said there was something on it when there was absolutely nothing on it like you can't even like that situation is so ridiculous that you there's no way you could even almost actively duplicate it by just trying to do that like there that all was a perfect storm for that to be a complete shit show but i i agree i think there is a way to tell the line and you do want your your guy to be confident i mean i would assume that bears fans are hoping that field starts like there's there there can't be any bears fan that's like oh we totally have to start andy dalton week one uh, there's going to be some Bears fans that think that, and that is because people in general are not really good at risk assessment or understanding how to actually achieve something that is a low probability to achieve. So starting Andy Dalton is a much safer route. Like 
if somebody put a gun to Ryan Pace's head and was like, you must win six games this year, I'm going to pull the trigger, he should start Andy Dalton. However, if he wants to still be the GM of the Bears in 2022, when the team should have the best quarterback in the division, or certainly the most experienced prospect quarterback in the division, then he should start Justin Fields this year and try to win nine games, ten games, right? And risk only winning three. Because to him, it's all the same. If they have a losing record this year, he is fired. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if they, if they go winless or they win seven games, he's out. So, like, do what's best to try to win ten. As far as Fields goes, he went to Georgia originally, was stuck behind Jake Fromm. It became very clear that uh, Jake Fromm was going to continue to be the starting quarterback for Georgia. So he transferred to Ohio State. He's not looking to just sit on the bench or something like that. He's absolutely going to look to play. He's going to do everything he can to play. Um, you know, from him being a Buckeye, I know this guy is very dedicated, works uh, works out really hard, studies really well, barely had to go to school. I think he said that he went to Ohio State's campus like twice the entire time because he was all online. So, like, besides going for, for athletic purposes, he only went to school, like, for registration and, like, for one presentation, and that's it. So this is a guy who's dedicated to football. Like he went to he went to college to learn football. He's and he's a great prospect. Like he's 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 going to be fine. Yeah, I think so too. Um it's funny too because him quote not making it at Georgia was a knock on him pre-draft when I don't think that had anything to do with his talent level. I think that it had more to do with coaches making a decision that seemed right in the moment and he did what he was supposed to do was well I want to go somewhere and play because I know that I can play at a high level and uh, it, it seems wrong in the moment well it yeah but you know <laughs> what I'm saying like when they're when they're using that as something that is a detriment to him when I I really don't understand how that works out it's not as if he had playing time was benched and then came out and, and couldn't prove himself I mean he did he ever see the field for, as, as a starter for Georgia I can't remember no, he saw yeah. the field when they ran the most obvious fake punt in the history of fake punts against Alabama in the national title game, and he got smashed by 84 dudes, and he was not happy about that either. Um, but no, playing Jake Fromm when you have Justin Fields would be like, I mean, sorry, Matt, but if Dan Lebetard said he wanted to come in and host the show, like, I'm sorry, you're getting replaced. Like, yeah. there's no, you know, oh, it's step just aside. like. Right. Like there's no there's no comparison. Like Justin Fields is so obviously the right decision. And so, I mean, that's why it was that's why it was so absurd. And honestly, he's probably just as obvious the right decision in this case as well. And by the end of training camp, he will be like they're going to see enough from him that they're going to see the upside. Plus, just his ability like to play on the move. And also Mitch Trubisky is better right now than Andy Dalton. I agree. Why are they going to make a downgrade? when their jobs are on the line it's gonna have to be justin fields they'll come around to it trubisky is he's not on the bears roster currently is he no he's buffalo okay. he's the backup for josh allen oh that's right i was wondering if he was going to get a start not a starting gig but get a backup gig in a place that he could emerge as a starter but uh it probably not going to happen in buffalo unless josh allen gets hurt and if josh allen gets hurt the bills are completely sunk i would like to think yes yeah as as most teams should be at the quarterback position. Your quarterback goes down, you know, there's only so many Matt Castles in the world. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's apparently, because uh, exactly. he's played for every team so far, I think in both East, except for the Patriots. I think that's like, I feel like that's the only team he doesn't played for in each, each Eastern division. So Buffalo Bills, great segue again. We're on fire here today. So last week we talked about Sam Darnold and his hesitancy about the COVID vaccine. And I think all three of us were in agreement that his reasoning 
was really not a rational reason. It was just because, and it seemed to be steeped in more political leanings than anything else. So Cole Beasley tried to up that and essentially um, he railed, I think, more against the COVID protocols that the NFL put in place. And they they announced their protocols for vaccinated players and non-vaccinated players. And rightfully so, the protocols for vaccinated players were significantly lenient compared to non-vaccinated players. So he's upset about this because, and then he put words to this and said basically that he doesn't want to get it. And he didn't, in my opinion, give us the, I need more information. He just said, I flat out don't want to get it. So I wanted to get into that a little bit because it seemed like I at least appreciated the fact that he is like, I don't want to get it for these reasons. And it felt so much more concrete than just, I need more information, which again is such a cop-out answer. But um, I feel like the protocols are are fair given where we are that you have access and the privilege of the access and he's choosing not to get it which okay but uh it's a little bit different to me because you're now actively putting yourself and your team in an awkward position and i would feel like on a team sport that you'd want to get the vaccine so that you can be a part of the team regularly the way that you would before but what do you what do you think about cole beasley besides i think the obvious that you think he's a moron yeah so cole beasley sucks um, he's a perfectly fine slot receiver, uh, but as a human being, he's awful. And the thing is, is that this is not any more honest than than Sam Darnold. This this sort of like my freedoms arguments. They just they don't make any sense because he can't he can't on the one hand say I'm going to live my life the way that I want because it's so important that people be able to live how they want to live without understanding that his refusal to get the vaccine will impede the ability of others to live the way they want to live. This is the thing that Cole Beasley is 100% being purposefully obtuse about. He knows that. He, he's had it explained to him by all sorts of experts, I'm sure, that the bills have brought in or that he's got access to that, or he's seen on the news that say we all need to get the vaccine so that we can defeat these variants so I'd like to get back to normal. We need 70%, 80% of the people to get it. He's seen that. He knows it. The truth is, Cole Beasley does not give one liquid shit about anybody else except for himself. He is a selfish jerk who does not care if other people die and if they die as a direct result of him spreading this disease to them because he is a healthy 35 year old professional athlete 36 whatever professional athlete he's probably going to be asymptomatic when he does get it and then he's going to be going around his teammates and giving it to them and they're going to go home they're going to give it to their parents and their grandparents and they're going to die and cole beasley knows this and he doesn't care because he's a jerk fuck cole beasley isn't it somewhat ironic that he's more concerned about a vaccine that could harm his body when the sport he plays is like the highest risk thing he actually does <laughs> I don't the know. Thing is, yeah, he's he, but none, none none of the people like this are actually concerned that the vaccine is going to harm their body, right? What sort of things does he have to get injected with all the time to be able to play? I don't even know. But like, he's clearly being shot full of all sorts of stuff. I mean, he's like five foot two. He's got to be in pain after week three, getting shot up with all sorts of stuff. You know, let me. I have I have his statement. His yeah, statement here. It was so a lengthy like, statement. Yeah, I'm not gonna read. I'm not gonna read the 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 entire thing, but you know, the the entire thing here. So, um, I have family members whose days are numbered. If they want to come see me and stay at my house, and they are coming regardless of protocol. So that's speaking to what you're saying there. 
where he's yeah. saying like, oh, I'm going to isolate because you want me to. Again, mm-hmm. jerk. Um, and then I don't play for the money anymore. My family has to be taken care of. Find me if you want. My way of living and my values are more important to me than a dollar. Like he thinks he's being like, like sanctimonious and like, oh, see, the money is not what's driving me anymore. It's my values that are driving me. No, it's not. He still cares so much about himself and himself first and foremost. And what people like how he sees himself viewed by others is more important to him now than it's some more money because he has enough money. But he but more important than the money to him is that how he's viewed by all these other losers is as one of them. It's the same thing. He's a selfish jerk. I cannot stand people like this. I don't care if it's Cole Beasley who's famous or somebody who's just Joe Schmo on the street. Like there are people who cannot get vaccinated right now, which includes all children. So literally to protect any child, adults must get vaccinated. I don't even like kids. I don't have them. I don't like them very much. And that would be the only reason I would need even if I knew I was good to get a vaccine, like protect kids is a, should be like a normal human instinct. And Cole Beasley does not have it because he sucks. Do you think that sports in general uh, are in a tricky spot with how they go about their protocols? Because let's take the, let's the Chris Paul in the NBA, right? Like he missed game one last or yesterday because he had exposure to COVID, I believe, but we found out he's vaccinated and it it should be an easier process through, but is there a scenario that the leagues will not have these protocols in effect at all? Or is it only going to be if 100% of their players are vaccinated? The leagues aren't in a sticky spot with what you do for the protocols. The protocol they need to do is easy, as I mentioned last week. They need to make it so that if you're not vaccinated, you cannot participate in the NFL in any fashion. Whether that's playing, coaching, attending, being on the staff, working at the stadium, advertising with the league, 100% vaccination, or you do not get to be involved. Um, and... If all the leagues did that, then that would just become the standard for what's done. And all the Cole Beasleys of the world and all like the other losers who were at the Capitol on January 6th, they could just scream and yell about how sports, blah, 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 like they already do. They would just hit them with the shut up and dribble. They complain the exact same way they did about the Black Lives Matter stuff during the NBA last year, but they're all still watching. They're also going to watch the NFL. So the leagues are not in a tough spot with, uh, with the protocols. They're in a tough spot trying to pander to losers because they're afraid of losing money if they don't, instead of just realizing they can tell the losers what's going to happen, and that's that. It's funny, too, because um, the... uh, I just lost my train of thought there, so we'll just completely skip over that. Uh, Because I cannot remember. I'm old now, but I I had a point that I was going to make about what you said, and uh, I completely lost it, so I'm sorry. That's right. Uh, It'll come... It'll come, it'll come flying right back to you in the middle of the next topic, I'm sure. It will. So uh, those are the three, like, I don't even want to call them big topics. Like I said, I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel for stuff this week because I didn't want to miss uh, another week. So uh, like I did last week, I pulled together some odds and ends. And I'm going to start with one that you weren't that familiar with, but I find kind of hilarious, but not obviously not for the people involved so apparently vince wilfork uh who i assume you remember from his patriot days and he was a standout at the university of miami 
Um, apparently his son was recently arrested and charged with stealing some of his jewelry and um, his, his dad's jewelry, which is just a great move, especially around Father's Day, is to uh, steal your dad's jewelry, <laughs> which, by the way, worth about 330k, and that includes some of his Super Bowl rings. And uh, I can tell you that as a father, if my son did that to me, I would be pressing charges as well because, come on, like – and I don't know if there's any issues that Vince Wilfork's son has, you know, like, because you hear stories about this, like if there's drug addiction and so forth, they go through a lot of means to uh, to try and keep that addiction going. But um, you weren't familiar with it. So does it make you kind of chuckle a little bit? It does to me just because when I read it, I thought, what? What made me chuckle about this is that you mentioned how we would know Vince Wilfork and you obviously don't watch Hard Knocks because you did not mention the overalls. Oh, I, I've never, I've never seen Hard Knocks before. I have to admit. And so it's the overalls that people know Vince Wilfork for. So basically, he's just up to practice and literally nothing but overalls. Um, yeah, I mean, this story, this story doesn't really make me chuckle because I have to assume there's something going on with the kid uh, that would lead him to do that, or like Dad has it coming, which I wouldn't think is the case, but something. Yeah, either way, like this is not, this is not uh, uh, particularly funny. The only way this could be, what I would chuckle at though, is if the kid was able like to fence the stuff, and then all of a sudden the Super Bowl rings were just gone, and then they showed up on eBay, and it was like Robert Kraft selling them. Oh wow, yeah, that's actually good. Well, that story about Robert Kraft having uh, with Jay Z and a couple people buy him his dream car, I was like, really? That's what we need is another rich white guy to get something else that oh, it's unobtainable for him. I was like, is it though? Like, come on. Yeah, I don't think anything should be. I mean. He, he owns the macaroni and cheese. I think he should be able to get whatever he wants. Yeah, and not to mention he paid for fucking Gillette Stadium out of his own pocket like he cut a check. So I'm pretty sure Robert Kraft is doing A-OK. -okay. Outside of the fact that he apparently can't afford uh, you know, happy endings outside of some random uh, massage parlor in uh, in a strip mall in Orlando. But that's another story for another day. So Yeah, personally, if I, if, if I owned a business used for nothing but human trafficking, I probably wouldn't actually go there myself. But, right. you know, yeah. your own. <laughs> That's gets a good point. Um, on another thing, so apparently uh, Brady and Patrick Mahomes are the cover stars for Madden 22, and I guess that makes sense to me. Uh, usually they give it to a guy who has sort of torched the league the year before, right? I mean, that, that's been the traditional thing, and I just think, I guess that makes sense, but I wonder too, like, could they have used that better? I mean, both of those guys have had their own cover. I understand they played the Super Bowl recently, but there's a ton of young talent out there that could totally use the boost, right? Yeah, I was really disappointed when I saw when I saw this was going to be the case because I thought that Brady should not have been on it again at all. Um, although having him on as a buck like makes sense because they did just win the Super Bowl, but no, I think that the cover person should uh, should pretty much always be the rookie of the year that makes sense that i was like, actually think it's funny i was thinking about that as yeah. the the cover yeah so like justin jefferson would be awesome as as the mm -hmm. uh as the the cover person um also i mean i don't know if it goes into stores to buy madden anymore <laughs> you just download it um so if it's more like a magazine shoot than anything but they could also just make it regional where, like mm -hmm. each region gets their own gets their own cover because then they become collectibles or here's what you do you get regional Madden covers that you mint as NFTs so that people can go and collect them. And then there's the real Madden cover 
of which there's only like 10 that are NFTs, and the, but then you can get like the real ones all over the place because you get them with the game. So then that way, each team gets to put somebody on their on their cover. Um, and then the real one gets to be Brady and Mahomes. But no, Justin Jefferson would have been great. Stephon Diggs would be fantastic. Honestly, I think Alex Smith would have been really good. The coming back from the um, from the injury like that. Next year, it will be Dak Prescott. Like that's that's gonna be a lot because they're gonna win like ten games this year, and make the playoffs. He's gonna look great coming off the injury. So Dak will be it next year. Or so you actually bring up a great point. By the way, on Cowboy season like two months ago, I taught Cleve what uh, NFTs were. So he's he's up to speed <laughs> on, on what that means. Uh, uh, that's, it, that's 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 pretty good for uh, being over sixty. Yeah. Uh, he had a little trouble comprehending like how they're how they're collectibles in currency, and I think I got through to him about it. But you bring up a good point though, because it, in today's day and age, I, like for me, I buy digital versions because generally speaking, they can become cheaper, and then I don't have to actually physically put a disc in. I can play on any console that I have in here. But there is something to the point of like a collectible for it. I mean, I would think that, you know, fine, Brady and Mahomes, like you make like the Super Bowl, like they make versions of them all the time. They make these different editions of them all the time. Yeah. Like, so make a super, like make whatever you want to call it, right? But you're right. Both of those guys have had their time in the in the spotlight. We know that they're good. There's a lot of young talent that really rose up this year and became a real integral part of the league. And they're missing an opportunity, in my opinion, to market these players. And I, I don't know, like I saw it and I was like, am I supposed to be overwhelmed by this? Because the way that they announced it was like it was a new concept. And I'm like, both of these guys have been on the cover before and the Madden curse isn't really a thing anymore. So put some of these young guys on there. I, I don't know. It seems it seems really dumb to me. Like it would have been a better a better use of marketing space for them to put some of these other other players on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with that. They They need to do something way different than this uh going forward also it's good it's gonna get stale and one guy who will never make the cover of madden is Derek carr um and he recently told reporters that he wants to remain a raider for life and i wonder to myself uh he clearly hasn't been reading the room as far as john gruden because i would like to think that if john gruden had the ability to move on from him he probably would so i don't think Derek carr is going to become a raider for life unless he actually just retires before going to another team I mean, honestly, I would also like to be a Raider for life, but I don't get to be a Raider because I suck at football. And so I feel like Derek Carr is going to be in a very similar position here. Um, Derek, I mean, Derek Carr doesn't actually suck at football. He's perfectly average. Uh, but that's why he's not going to be a Raider for life. Like, you can't imagine being the Raiders and be like, well, we got Patrick Mahomes in our division for the next 15 years. I guess we'll waste a couple more with, with Derek Carr. The Raiders should be drafting a quarterback every year in the first two rounds until they find somebody who's at least came on, like making the Pro Bowl, because like otherwise, what are they doing? Like they're just gonna, they're just bantha fighter for for the Chiefs for the next fifteen years. So, well, yeah, and I I thought to myself, oh, he's trying to play the uh, Raiders for life, like you know, once you, once a Raider, always a Raider card, thinking that that is going to mean anything when it comes time to to moving on. But to your point. I, they had a chance to, I think, to, I believe they were they were they were drafting in the were they drafting in the top fifteen. Or were they just outside so, the top fifteen? Just outside, yeah. They okay. they did not they did not they took um they reached seventeenth. Yeah, took Alex Other one at okay, seventeen. That's right. That's right. So they weren't in a position to take one this year, but uh, if they were, they would have. I would like to think. And Derek Carr would not be a Raider anymore, or he'd be the backup. I just thought it was funny because the way he said it, it was like, yeah, I've you know. 
I'll, I'll never I'll never leave this team like as if he's Brett Favre saying I'll never play for the Vikings and it's like actually I'm pretty sure that they would move on from you if they could they're going to move on from him this year Marcus Mariota will end the year as the starter for the Raiders even though Marcus Mariota is always questionable to return if Marcus Mariota is healthy he will end the season as the quarterback for the Raiders I I think at this point that Marcus Mariota is probably better than Derek Carr, and he still has more upside to explore versus Derek Carr. I don't think Mariota's upside is as spectacular as this. Hope he was the second overall pick, um, but I, 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 I think he just played Mariota from the start. To be honest, I don't. I wouldn't even waste time with Derek Carr. Wouldn't the ceiling for the Raiders be better if they started Mariota in general? I mean, obviously we know what we have in Derek Carr. Mariota still has a pretty decent upside if he's on the field. It's just he hasn't been able to stay on the field. And the Titans were able to get Tannehill, who completely reinvented himself, uh, you know, there. So why would they have kept him, uh, you know, after after that? So, I mean, at this point, when you're if you're the Raiders in that division, don't you have to take a risk? Yeah, I think the Raiders could really use a quarterback that could that could run. I mean, that's true of pretty much every team that has a quarterback that can't run. Um, uh, but I think I think that. Mariota's ability to run the ball would help a lot. Be- and also because Josh Jacobs was a pass-catching running back at Alabama. And they don't throw the ball to him in the NFL. And running quarterbacks tend not to throw the ball to the running back as much. So since they're already not going to do that with Derek Carr, like that's a part of their offense that should be there that just that just doesn't exist. So you might as well make the switch to Mariota then because that's going to be like the ma- one major downside is that you're losing the, the pass-catching work for Josh Jacobs. But it's not there. So just switch to him anyways how much of that is gruden still not understanding the concept that a running back just doesn't just get handed the ball off to like is he still stuck in 2002 and he's like no we we hand the ball to our running backs we don't throw it to our running that's what we have receivers for i think that john gruden is stuck in the every single person has to fit a particular role on the team and josh jacobs is the between the tackles first and second down running back role that he wants really josh jacobs is actually like a third down pass catching back that can also play first and second down and he's being horribly underutilized and mis and misutilized because they will throw they throw to Jalen Richard and I don't know all these other dust balls but Josh Jacobs should have what four catches a game he'd have 64 catches a year minimum yeah minimum mm-hmm. you know at a, as a design of the offense they'd be they'd be so much better um and so, but they, but they, they choose not to. So, and then they feature Darren Waller as the primary pass catching option, which, even though he's their best pass catching player, your if your tight end is your featured option, you are not going to win. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, yeah. he and he's a great tight end, but again, to your point, I mean, that's that's not the focal point of your offense. Like the reason why the Patriots you know, worked is because Gronk wasn't the focal point of the offense, but he elevated the, you know, like he was that good that he became yeah. a huge piece. Like, in my opinion, they weren't, they, they were doing what you're talking about, where they had guys like James White, who they're throwing to in the backfield, guys that play a whole, a whole bunch of different roles. And you kind of use who you, you, who you can use in certain situations, but you're right. Gruden is kind of stuck on the, he's got to be this when they could be utilizing him more. And I'd be pissed if I were him because the average, uh, the average what career for running back is like 3.25 years and he's what on year three or four now so he's pretty much gonna yeah. be washed by the time uh they decide to use him yeah yeah no he's gonna leave the raiders and he's gonna get like two years somewhere else to try to do something and then but he won't get paid as much as he should and then his career will be over and he'll miss out on probably like 35 million dollars total and any chance to win all because he had to go play for john gruden and john gruden's gonna get 100 million dollars 
Yep. And then he'll eventually be a guest on the show once we uh, reach the bigger height so we can talk to him about his experience <laughs> playing for John Gruden. So uh, really quick, Aaron Rodgers apparently renews his membership at the Green Bay Country Club. And I thought to myself, like in Dumb and Dumber, so you're telling me there's a chance. But that's just because he forgot to hit auto. He shut off auto pay, right? If I yes. Uh, so I live in Northern Virginia. And if I had Aaron Rodgers money, I would renew my season tickets to the University of Michigan, too. Right. And I would go once a year, but I would keep the tickets. Like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers hates the city of Green Bay or the fans or the people or the country club. I think he hates the morons that run their NFL franchise. So I would not be shocked if he plans to spend a month every summer in Green Bay. It's probably gorgeous up there. So he wants to go to the country club when he's there and he could pay for the full year round dues to be able to do it. Because what does he care? And that's 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 that. Like, he's he's a Super Bowl champion in that city. He's always going to be welcome there. So, yeah, that's. He's gone. He's not playing for the Packers. There is no chance. I just love how we as fans latch on to little things like that. But at this point in my fandom, I understand that that has nothing to do with him staying there. It's like when guys sell houses and stuff like that. I mean, we don't necessarily know if that indicates anything because, you know, real estate moves. But at this point, like at Country Club, like he can fly himself up to Green Bay to play in a round of 18 if he wants to and probably Correct. play with like and, and, you know, play with Bryson DeChambeau, whoever the hell he wants to play with in his spare time. Uh, the Dalai yes. Lama. I think he meant the Dalai Lama, too. So, I mean, he can do whatever the hell he wants. But I well, last week, I don't know if you picked up on this. I when I was listening back, Cleve said that ninety three thousand is pocket money for Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, is that true? I mean, pocket money. And I wonder, what do you think Cleve would buy with 93000 if he had that like in his pocket? Which he, he's assuming that people still carry cash today. And I guess he, he probably still does. Uh, well, given given Cleve's advanced age, he'd probably buy gold. I think he does silver. I don't think he does gold. I think he does <laughs> silver. No, no, no. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do gold or silver because like he would know to stay away from those. But he would find like, you no, know, you know what he would have done? He would have bought lumber. And then been like a gajillionaire out of nowhere. You're probably with the right. price of with the price of lumber way up. We'd be like, no, no, you gotta understand, it's the trees. We're running out of the trees. You gotta buy the trees. And we'd be like, you want to buy an NFT of a tree? No, real trees. And then he make uh make a billion dollars. What an evolution you just had. A NFT of a tree. That's amazing. Like, can you? I mean, and you know that that would sell because people will buy anything today. Collecting is through the roof to the point that I'm reconsidering. Uh, going back and looking at my baseball card collection because I might have just waited it out long enough that the market is going to make them worth something when for like a good 15 years, nobody gave a crap about baseball cards. Well, here's the thing with the NFTs of trees. If you're going to be building, uh, if you're going to own property in Decentraland, which is all just digital real estate on the blockchain, you're going to want some trees for your property. I mean, you can't just have no trees. That's boring. Like, what is this, Vegas? Like, you got to have you got to have some trees. You know, if you're going to build your, your racetrack for your digital racehorses, you want to have some trees around the track. I mean, that just makes sense. So, of course, you have NFTs of trees. Or you could just have buy real lumber like Cleve and be rich. That's those yeah. are the options. We're totally going to get to a point where we're not buying physical houses anymore. We're just buying NFTs of houses that we'd like to own, and that's it. We're just going to all be like nomads owning NFTs uh, that are existing on blockchains, and we're never going to actually own anything. And these young people who are like, "Why would I ever buy a house?" are going to be so right because they're like, "See, I can own an NFT of a house. I don't actually have to live in one." Yeah, from your lips. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Um, 
one more thing. I, well, two more things. Obviously, Tim Tebow's still on the team, I believe. So, you know, just want to make sure he gets his shout out for another week on the team. So congrats to him. But fantasy football. So this is a huge thing for you, obviously. And I like to play every now and again. But I think this is becoming more of a traditional thing every year. I, I've, I've, I understand. But apparently uh, some, I think it was either a reporter or some guy lost. He came in last place in his fantasy football league and apparently the uh, debt that he owed was spending 24 straight hours in a waffle house and i guess he was live tweeting this but apparently there's a caveat that each waffle that he consumed took off an hour from how much time he actually had to spend in the waffle house so dave t i want to ask uh would you be comfortable spending 24 hours in a waffle house i've only ever been to one waffle house so i don't have a lot of experience in whether that would be a pleasant experience or not and would you do what you could to consume as many waffles as possible to get the hell out of there I could spend 24 hours in a Waffle House easily. Okay. Like, like not, not even, not even a problem. Now, if we don't know all the terms, is it no phone, no books, no anything? You just have to sit in the booth at Waffle House with your thoughts. That makes it a little bit harder, but I could still do it. Um, and I would take like four hours off, probably. You know, I need some bacon, and some eggs too. I'm just gonna hammer waffles. Like, you know, you gotta got it got to switch it up but this the concept of having a punishment finishing last in fantasy football is good otherwise once a team is out of it they'll just abandon and not pay attention or look at trades or do anything or worse they'll collude with somebody else and trade their three best players for josh jacobs and then somebody else can go on and win the league so you need to have some sort of punishment for for finishing dead last or in an um uh an incentive so what I do quickly in a college football league that I run is that the last two place teams play each other the final week of the season. The winner gets the first overall pick the following year. So even though you're one of the last two teams, you still want to be good enough to beat the other one when it counts to get that first overall pick. But you need to have something like this to keep everybody involved. And I think 24 hours in a Waffle House is, is actually pretty easy. I would, I would make this 72 if I really 72. wanted to. Because you can't stay awake for 72 hours. You can stay awake for 24 hours in the Waffle House if you want. Make somebody sleep at the Waffle House. Now we're talking. That's punishment. That would actually, yeah, that that's actually not bad. Again, I don't have a, um, a reference point, but I do like the idea of a punishment. And I think spending 72 hours in a Waffle House, is that worse than having to wear the uh, Mark Davis wig for 72 hours? Not for me. But that's that's why I need a personal trainer. I think for a lot of people though, that might actually be that, that might actually be the problem. They might they might actually rather wear the uh, the uh, wig than spend seventy two hours in a Waffle House. Because if you spend seventy two hours in a Waffle House, even if you don't eat anything, you're going to gain twelve pounds. I feel like the essence. I feel like now we have to do an uh, a show from a Waffle House just so that we can say that we're spending some time in a Waffle House and uh, and kind of bring this all full circle. But I thought that was I, I thought that was extremely amusing. And I, I apparently in this case they had their phone because they were live tweeting from the Waffle House. I guess either talking about their level of insanity or or what. It seemed to have bothered this person a lot more than it would bother most. But uh, I, I agree. If it was just you, your thoughts in the same booth, not being able to move except to go to the bathroom, uh, watching everybody else eat, that would be. Of. Yeah, that'd be the other thing. Like, if you couldn't eat, you just had to sit in a Waffle House while everybody else is eating, and you can't eat. That would be, yeah. See, there's so many ways this could be so much better. If this guy was really freaking out about this, I, I don't know, man. Do better at fantasy football, I guess. Yeah, that's a good incentive. So, 
uh, we got a few more minutes, and uh, we usually do something positive at the end. But you and I talked offline about a positive story that uh, I'll let you talk about if you want. But I had another one that was that was actually pretty cool. So, uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, if I'm even saying that name correctly, he was uh, played for the Chiefs, but he opted out of last season. And the reason he opted out was because he actually went to work on the front lines uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic at the height of the COVID pandemic. And he is back and you know, trying to basically regain his spot on the team. And he's a doctor, uh, right guard for the Chiefs. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And he talked about what kept him sane during it, because as we know, people in the medical profession are completely burned out at this point. You know, some of them are probably possibly permanently burned out. And he said the coolest thing for him was being able to take a few hours on Sundays to watch the Chiefs games and that kept him kind of grounded and I just thought that was really neat because you know we don't we're not used to our athletes performing for the country in this way like in baseball you know guys like Ted Williams uh gave up four years of their career to go fight in World War II they're in their prime and athletes don't really do that anymore and I thought that was a really neat story I did not know about that until until I was looking stuff up for the show uh but kudos to him for for you know, actually doing what Cole Beasley's talking about and the money doesn't matter. He's going to go out and help others. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Is, okay, uh, yeah. I did yeah. not look up how to pronounce his name, but, uh, and I, I completely butchered it, so my apologies there, but I still thought the, the, the sentiment was good. And uh, yeah, like I said, doing what Cole Beasley is talking about but is paying lip service to this guy actually did. So uh, the other story was Greg Olson's son, I believe TJ Olson. Um, yes. And did he have a heart transplant? I do not know exactly what he had. I do not think it was a heart transplant because the story I saw is that he was ringing the bell, which I thought they did for um, cancer treatments. Chem yeah. I thought he needed some type of a transplant as well, but uh, I could be mistaken about that. But yes, uh, he, Greg Olson has been uh, vocal yeah, heart, about this. Heart heart transplant. You're right. Heart transplant. Yeah, and um, I, I I can't. It's funny because you like to think that these athletes who've made a ton of money, um, you know, want for nothing. But there are places in this world where everybody is somewhat on equal footing, and needing a heart trans heart transplant isn't the same as having access or going out somewhere to just buy one. Like you have to wait for all of the right conditions to be met. And while his stature as a player might elevate him on a list because of, well, do you know who I am type thing? It still is a scary proposition to think that your child needs a heart or anybody in your family needs a heart transplant. And you are kind of at the mercy of basically waiting for somebody to die. And that's a really strange, yeah. uh, really strange want right like i can't imagine what that's like when you're if you're the praying type which i'm not but if you're the praying type praying for a heart to be available you're essentially praying for somebody to die because that's the only way that you can get it and it's a it's a nice story but in in all in all it's a very strange feeling i'd have to think so it, it's funny i i'm so weird i think about stuff like this all the time and i don't think that there is anything morally wrong or incorrect with if you or somebody you know is on the donor list really hoping for something to come available because and the and the whole of everybody people are going to die yeah right so like you don't need to like root for something very specific to a specific person or something that doesn't normally happen or you don't need like a, a large increase in the number of people dying you just need 
the normal course of biology to occur in such a way that somebody has a heart that your kid needs. And so rooting for that, I think is okay because like, it's going to happen. So I don't have any issue with, with, uh, with something like that. Now, if you turn to like a total bond villain and you try to like create some weapon to kill half the population, so you get a bunch of hearts available, that might be a problem. Like maybe they'll go rip the heart of somebody's chest, but sitting around like rooting for it to happen i actually have no no issue with because you have no control over it and it's already happening right and uh, i just i can't imagine like if you had a heart transplant um would you want to know the fit like if there was a family involved of the person who who gave you that heart like would you want to connect with them and thank them or do you think that that would be too much for you like i think i would feel almost obligated to do so because again like you're th this person died for your health even though it's not something you actively rooted for uh yeah like i would if if my heart was used to save somebody i would want that somebody to come back to my people and and, and contact them um i guess this is more up to the family and what they what they would want but generally speaking generally speaking i would guess that if a person is an organ donor their family also supports organ donation by and large and therefore like it would be it's mostly going to be okay in these circumstances so yeah i probably would seek out the family of whoever it was and thank them and tell them about the podcast yeah well there's that too and you know i i honestly have never actively thought about whether i should be an organ donor or not it's just never really crossed my mind but when I see stories like this, it makes me wonder if I should, uh, because I'm a relatively healthy person who probably whose organs could probably go toward somebody if something were to happen to me. But I just never really have considered it. So perhaps this is a way for me to do so. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer uh, the answer is yes. It should be you should be an organ donor. Everybody who can should be an organ donor because it's all about playing the odds, right? Like it is so hard to find an organ that lines up exactly right with somebody. That's what makes it so difficult. So just increasing the general supply of organs can greatly increase the chances of finding a match for for somebody. And the thing, the way I think about it is, like, I'm already dead. So, mm -hmm. like, there's no, there ain't nothing for me. Like, I, I don't need it. You know, there's yeah. nothing, there's, there ain't not, not doing me any good. Like, might as well, might as well help out some somebody else, right? Like, there's no, there's literally no downside. The downside has already happened. <laughs> the yes. game is over you have lost and now it's time to help somebody else possibly win so i'm i'm a huge fan of organ donation and i think that just and then like even as more people sign up to do it that will gain steam which will then cause more people to do it right mm -hmm. and so i think i think it's the way to go about it and i'm going to ask that if i do become an organ donor and if you are listening and you're the person who gets whatever organ it is uh, that you tell everybody to go to MattyIceMedia.com for all of your podcasting needs and that you can find political football wherever you find your podcast. It's very important that the show continue to grow in anybody's absence because uh, that's just what we should do. So, uh, And if you're listening now, that means you're alive and you should do that too. Uh, we try to come out with stuff every week with or without any one of us. So this week it just happened to be me and Dave and hopefully we'll get Cleve back in the fold and uh, we'll have some other juicy stuff to talk about. But do you have any clo closing thoughts, my friend? Uh, same, same as last week, man. If y'all are not watching the European Championships, y'all are missing out. This is this is an amazing tournament. It's it's the best thing happening in sports right now. 
besides the NHL playoffs. If all you're watching is the NBA, you are missing out. You need to be watching soccer. You need to be watching hockey. Those are the two best sports going right now. And just the triumvirate is uh, we're, we're an amazing time in sports when uh, we don't normally have as much to talk about in the summertime, but we do now. So you should be consuming as much of it as possible um, and bringing your thoughts to PF. So uh, appreciate your time this week, Dave. And uh, for the listeners, we will talk to you next week. Take care. See you. Political football is exclusively owned by Cleve, Dave and Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.